When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, this is Jason, and welcome to Canada Confessional. If you were listening to the show a few weeks ago, you heard me and Sam talk to Jennifer Palmieri, communications director for the Hillary Clinton campaign, and she told us all about the internal drama that unfolded within the Clinton camp as it became gradually clear that they'd been targeted by Russian hackers. By now, we're also accustomed to the Trump-Russia saga and the steady drip of revelations about that country's intervention in the 2016 election that it's hard to remember that just a year ago, Russian cyber attacks were not on many people's radar, even if those people were politicians. Of course, the most famous effects of that hack were on the national level, the release of emails from John Podesta, Clinton's campaign chairman, or from then-DNC chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz disparaging Bernie Sanders. But national candidates were not the only targets of that hack, And the untold story of the whole hacking episode was how it trickled down to the local level, scrambling congressional races all across the country. Hello. Hey. Okay, I called the other number. Sorry about that. Meet Annette Tadeo. Until recently, she was the chair of the Miami-Dade Democratic Party. And back in 2014, she was Charlie Crist's running mate during his race for governor of Florida. Everything about that race, I I really loved, uh, except losing by... Uh, Except the loss. So in 2016, today it decided to take another swing at Florida elected office. The Democratic Party threw its weight behind her in the race for the 26th Congressional District, located south of Miami, then held by a Cuban-American Republican named Carlos Curbelo. I'm Carlos Curbelo. I've been talking to our neighbors here in District 26 for the last few weeks, and people are frustrated with government. To defeat Corbello, Annette would have the support of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC, the organization within the Democratic Party that coordinates its national strategy for congressional elections and decides which races to invest in, where to put their time and energy and money and such. And in 2016, they had something they had called the Red to Blue List. This was their hit list of districts they thought they had the best chance of flipping from Republican to Democratic control. The list included New Hampshire's 1st District, Minnesota's 2nd, Utah's 4th, and most importantly for today's show, Florida's 26th. So Annette would run and the DCCC would pour money into her race and she would triumph over Corbello. And a wave of popular support and grassroots opposition to Donald Trump would carry Hillary Clinton into the presidency and the Democrats back into control of Congress. At least that was the plan. As it turned out, though, Annette would have an opponent more dangerous than either Garcia or Corbello, against which she would be powerless to defend herself. Well, what were your top three concerns heading into that race? And where was hacking on that list? (laughs) Welcome to Candidate Confessional. 
My co-host Sam Stein and I sat down with Annette today to talk about her 2016 campaign. The guy that challenged her in the primary, of course, was this ex-congressman named Joe Garcia. Garcia was actually the person who had lost to Carlos Corbello, the current representative, in the previous cycle. Former Congressman Joe Garcia is back in the spotlight facing Anet Tadeo for the Democratic nomination in District 26. How do you feel about Anet Tadeo? You have to get the, through the first hurdle first. Look, we feel good. Um, you know, we've, we've got a, a record. What of was your early perception of the race when he entered? What did you think was your chance of winning the nomination? And what did you think were your strengths and weaknesses? My biggest challenge was his, his name recognition. He was a former congressman. So obviously I was in essence running against, uh, an incumbent in the primary. And, uh, and that is very, very difficult to do. And so I started 24 points, uh, behind, uh, Joe Garcia. The, the strength was cleanliness, the not having any kind of blemish on my, on my record. This district in particular uh, was very tired of the scandals. I mean, this district went through David Rivera, who was investigated by the FBI. His, you know, they put up a phantom candidate. Then later to find out that Joe Garcia, who had been the congressman who had beat David Rivera, had done the exact same thing two years prior <laughs> and his chief of staff went to jail. So I think this district was, re- was, was ready and, and was not willing to have somebody with, uh, that would play with voters. So obviously Joe Garcia did not have the cleanest of political records. As Annette just mentioned, he had been linked to a plot to promote phony or phantom candidates as a way of siphoning money and votes away from his opponents. His former chief of staff even went to jail for orchestrating a fraudulent online ballot scheme. This was at least part of the reason why he got voted out in 2014 and replaced by Carlos Corbello. So there was this basic dynamic. Annette Tadeo, former lieutenant governor candidate, versus Joe Garcia, scandal-plagued former congressman. On paper, if she could overcome the initial gap in name recognition, things looked reasonably hopeful for Tadeo. But there's another element of South Florida politics that we really have to mention here. The 26th district covers the extreme southern tip of the state, including the Florida Keys, as well as some of the southwestern suburbs of Miami. It's an area with an overwhelmingly Hispanic population, about two-thirds of the total, and by far the largest single ethnic group? Cubans. Cuban-American politicians in South Florida are always eager to play up their Cuba cred by emphasizing their family's story of exile. That was certainly true in the 2016 race, both for Corbello... My parents, they came as exiles. They taught me sacrifice and hard work. ...and Garcia. My grandmother's courage to stand up to Castro and protect her family taught me to do what's right no matter what. The consequence of this dynamic is that historically, it's been hard for non-Cuban Hispanics to get elected in the region. That was a problem for Tadeo, who was born in Colombia. We have not been able to break the barrier of electing a non-Cuban Hispanic. Um, and so... Yeah. And, and what that means for the future of uh, not just Miami-elected politics, but also for the future of, um, of Florida as a whole, on, especially for, for the progressive side of seeing things. But to really see how this element of South Florida politics played out in this race, you've got to dive into the Spanish language media. And to do that, I'm joined by producer Zach. Hi, Jason. 
Hey, I believe your Spanish is way better than mine. Quite possibly. Uh, so I was going through all these clips from South Florida Spanish TV about this election while working on this episode, and the first thing that struck me was just the way Tadeo was described in news stories. Like, for example, here's how one channel introduced a story about the two Democratic candidates. Vamos a continuar ahora con la campaña por el Distrito 26. This is a show from America TV, a, a local news station, and the anchor is saying, let's go now to the election for the 26th district where ex-Congressman Joe Garcia is running. Joe Garcia. And then his co-anchor says, against the Colombian, Annette Tadeo. She just drops that in. Joe Garcia versus the Colombian. Uh, and this kind of thing shows up all over the place. Uh, Tadeo went on a Miami talk show called Arrebatados, where she was being interviewed by Maria Laria, a local TV host. And the Obama-Cuba policy comes up. And Laria is asking Annette about her support for Obama's diplomatic opening to Cuba, which obviously a lot of Cuban expats were suspicious of. <laughs> and so Tadeo defends herself, but she's struggling to establish her credibility and explain that she gets the whole Cuba thing. And she says things like, you know, I don't think you have to be Cuban to want this to happen or to understand the pain of the Cuban people. And then she drops in the fact that she left Colombia to escape the FARC, uh, that her father was kidnapped by the FARC when she was younger. As if to say, hey, you know, you Cubans aren't the only ones with communist problems. Uh, this element of her biography is something she brings up a lot in these interviews. Like here she is with uh, Univision anchor Ambrosio Hernandez. Or take, for example, back in that first interview, there's this bit where Laria asks Tadeo about the Cuban Adjustment Act. Uh, this is, of course, the law that grants Cubans a fast track to permanent residency in the U.S., and Laria mentions an article in The Economist in which Tadeo is quoted vaguely suggesting that the Adjustment Act might need to go away in the long term. And so Tadeo is defending herself and trying to clarify what she meant. No, 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 al revés. Mi contrincante. So if you add all this up, you can just sort of see that there is this extra hurdle that she has to jump here uh, to prove to Cuban voters that she gets it, so to speak. Thank you, Zach. No problem. Anyway, this was the political environment that Tadeo was confronting. Beating Garcia in a primary was going to be tough, but there were some encouraging signs. So you um, you mentioned you started down in the polls with respect to former Representative Garcia. But over the course of the early summer, you started closing the gap a lot, and you had a nice fundraising month. Mm -hmm. um, but in the back of your mind, did you know that the DCCC had been hacked? That hack took place in the spring. Mm -hmm. um, did you know that there was this thing that had just happened that was going to affect everything in your race? No, I did not. And I, you know, I'm, I'm somebody that, you know, doesn't, I'm not somebody that says we lost because we were hacked by the Russians. I, I really don't know that. That's, you know, sure. that's a question that I'll never I'm just, know. I just want to know when you heard about the hack. Oh, when the, I didn't hear about it till the, till the publishing of the documents by, I guess, Guccifer was giving it to some Florida blogger who I, you know, who I honestly don't know, but it's some kind of a Republican blog. Uh, so Florida. just to set this up, because the DCCC was hacked in, I think, April or May, sometime around then, they never told you? Um, no, we were warned when the documents came out. Sources now telling CNN the FBI is investigating the possible hack of the Clinton campaign. This attack was part of a broader assault, according to officials, on Democratic political organizations, including the DCCC, 
As a matter of fact, I, I, I called to ask when the DNC was hacked, and they did not uh, tell us uh, until the documents were published then, and we found out we were actually hacked, and that's when they got us on the phone with lawyers and finding out all the information. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. What, what, when you made that first call, what did they tell you? Were they actively – did you get a sense that they were actively going through their files to see who would be affected by this or what, did, what was their response to you? No, we knew we were affected because already the Florida blogger had published a bunch of stuff. What we were told is don't go to that website. Don't look at anything because usually <laughs> this phishing – the Russians are continuing yep. to fish and they will get to your devices. So it was like – it was the worst because I was like – aware that there was <laughs> hacking, but I don't know what was out there until I could read in the papers or somebody telling me what was out there. I really, and you know, I have yet to go to these sites and take a look at it. I just, I don't, I, you know, obviously don't trust uh, that there was no fishing expedition going on. And at the end of the day, I mean, the stuff that came out on our research book, for example, with, with, uh, with Joe Garcia, that was not newsworthy because it was stuff that everybody knew. Everybody knew he had been investigated. Everybody knew his chief of staff went to jail. Everybody knew. So that's the stuff that wasn't, I don't believe, you know, that that's really what they were after. What they were after is letting. But we're just sort of curious how, how does it be, how do you find out that you've been hacked? I mean, this is a huge momentous event, right? Like your campaign, your campaign stuff has been hacked by the Russians. This hack took place in the spring. You went through all of June, all of July and part of August, apparently unaware. No, that and and these it, materials exactly. And furthermore, I mean, it, I, <laughs> I, I want to. Do you realize specify, how ridiculous that sounds? It is ridiculous, and and I do remember when the hacking came out about the DNC. Um, I personally made a phone call to the DGPC to say. I want to know, was this act? No, we keep our servers different. We have different servers, different email, different this. Well, that was correct. The answer was correct. They had different stuff. But what they didn't know at the time, I guess, when they answered my question, was that those servers and that system was also hacked. <laughs> and uh, so wow. I, I assumed that we weren't affected. So during those few months... After the hack, there was no preparation on your your campaign's part to prepare for any kind of leaking of documents because you didn't think you were they got your documents. Absolutely, there was no preparation uh, and no and no warning. Of course, they did have Annette's documents. Among the materials that the hackers had obtained were the briefing book that our campaign had prepared on Joe Garcia, containing all the oppo research they were planning to use against him. But potentially even more embarrassing, the hackers got their hands on the DNC's own research on Chideo herself. This needs a bit of explanation. Before competitive races, the parties will often compile research on their own candidates to find out their weaknesses and get ahead of any possible attacks the other side might deploy in the campaign. But of course, this research is never meant to become public. In these documents, the DNC said that many Floridians perceived Annette as a wealthy elitist. Not a good thing. And fretted about how her three previous unsuccessful runs for office in the state might paint her as an incompetent candidate. So when the hack stuff does come out, when the hack stuff does come out and you can't even get to the site because you're worried that might make you even more more vulnerable, 
how do you what is the campaign doing to like mitigate the damage? How do you even go about trying to fix this thing? It's very difficult and it was very difficult. I actually had um you know uh, shortly uh within the next within that day or the next few days after the hacking came out a debate on Spanish TV. And uh and as a matter of fact Joe Garcia showed up at the debate with a book uh full of papers and claimed, I don't think it was, I think it was just a book full of papers, but <laughs> he claimed that was the research book that my quote unquote private detective had done on him. We never had a private detective. Uh, obviously we did the research every campaign that is a good campaign. We'll do research on the opponent. Um, but that was, uh, that was definitely his way of trying to say the sweet uh, Annette Tadeo that all of you guys think and that our polling tells us she's, you know, her positives are way up. Uh, she's not so sweet. She had a private detective follow me around. And that was unfortunate because it wasn't true. <laughs> and it was very hard sure. to negate it. And, you know, it was just me saying that's not true. We've never had a private but detective. But you have to figure out at that point in time just how much exposure you have, right? Like, you know, at that moment that you have that some DCCC materials have been hacked you know that they relate to your race, but you don't know exactly how much they have. So how do you go about figuring that out? Who do you talk to? What does the DCCC say to you? Did you talk to the FBI at all? No, they have yet to call me, <laughs> which is interesting. But um, no, um, we spoke to the lawyers for the DCCC, um, who again advised us to um, you know, not confirm or deny, or I mean, certainly not confirm the uh, accuracy of the documents. Because one of the problems is, you know, the the hackers are known for altering information. So we didn't know whether they were accurate or not. I never saw them, so I I still don't know. But I um, <clears throat> but I definitely uh, like I you know I I, I definitely felt. Uh, like I was out there campaigning sort of naked. <laughs> it's the best way I can describe mm -hmm. it. And I've, I've said this before because what do you, what do you mean by that? Because you're, you're an open book. It's almost like if you're a, you're a, a, a football team, right? You're getting ready for the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden somebody steals your playbook and they put it out there for your opponents to see it. That's in essence, the best description I have for what happened and how it felt. And, Garcia seemed to be able to capitalize on it, you know, bringing up the briefing book at the debate. I mean, what was your counter to him? And, and did you have a strategy going forward, knowing that he was going to use it to try to try to take advantage of that situation? No, uh, we, we, we honestly didn't. We were taken aback by it. We were not prepared for it. I have to be honest about that. And, um, and, and, you know, and we were honest about, about the fact that, you know, everything that, that was out there was, uh, was accurate. And then one of the other documents that was leaked was a memo about you that the DCCC had written where they had said that you were an incompetent candidate and that you were a wealthy elitist. And I'm wondering what your reaction to that was and sort of how you felt about that because they had courted you to run, to run in the primary. I know. <laughs> well, you know, it's really interesting. I, the only thing I read that, that, you know, that negative that they said, I, did, I didn't read that. What I read was, um, you know, I wasn't such a great fundraiser, they claimed. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And, and that thought that was interesting because right when that came out was when I actually outraised both my primary and general opponent uh, <laughs> in the quarter right before the election. So the party is, uh, it is what it is. I just want to go back to your assessment that it felt like sort of being naked almost. Um, you know, obviously there's a political element to it where, as you mentioned, your entire strategy is just put out for the public to uh, read in addition to your opponent. But there must have been also a human element to it too, right? I mean, you had put your time and energy into this race. No races are easy. A lot of them take up a ton of work. Uh, they're draining emotionally. And then to have this happen, I'm not sure how it would feel from a personal standpoint. Can you walk us through what it was like for you? The first thing I worried about was about uh, my husband. As any candidate, we always worry about the family. But again, I had nothing to hide. So I didn't, I didn't worry too much about it except for, you know, again, everybody knowing our playbook, everybody knowing who we were, what doors had we knocked on, what people have we mailed. Sure. What, you know. Yeah, but you talked a little bit about your husband there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes people who, for instance, all the House Democrats had their phone numbers. Yes. And, yeah. Were you, were you among them? No, um, but obviously they had okay. all my, no, they had all my private information. There's no question, but, uh, that wasn't. So what, what is that? I mean, I don't know what that's like. If I had my private information published online, I think I'd freak out. Um, what was it like for you? That part didn't bother me. And I'll tell you why, because again, if you, once, one, once you are a candidate, you are an open book. Um, and it's, yeah, but there's open books and then there's putting your address online. I mean, that seems like a step too far. <laughs> I give my cell phone number to everyone to the, you know, uh, <laughs> to the amazement of uh, all the staffers and anybody around me. They, they sure. hate it. But again, I am somebody that, which is funny because you mentioned elitist. I am somebody that really prides herself in, um, in, in always being there for people and being accessible and, being being a part of the, of of the people with whatever thing I have ever done, it's always been about um, helping others, and all of us are in this together. So, um, so that's the part that didn't bother me. What bothered me is when I, you know, uh, again, lies were spread about me, about you know, private detectives or uh, you know, man, you got some, you got some thick skin. I would have been really upset if my home address was put online and my phone number was listed. <laughs> There's a big difference between being an open book and being accessible to to your constituents and to your campaign and your volunteers and your fans. But there's also uh, the other the other side of it, which was that you had stuff that was leaked on purpose to it was almost a violation of of sort of you know what a normal campaign should be about. Did it make you paranoid at all, or your staff? Like what things did you, after the leaks happened and the material was released? Did you do any security precautions or enact any security precautions just for the campaign going forward in those last couple of days? Yeah, we did. But the interesting part is. My campaign wasn't hacked. It was the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee who had sure. my yes, documents. <laughs> so I, you know, I think, you know, as a businesswoman uh, who has been in business over 20 years, I've always had extreme protection uh, for, for, our, for our business. So I'm very much aware of, of the chances of people hacking and, the, and how many people tried to do that. Um, and so I'm, you know, I, I think I'm much more careful, careful than the normal person. But um, can but, you walk us through? Um, sorry, can you walk us through the debate um, where Garcia decided to use that um, 
<laughs> document that was hacked. Um, th- just for the background, the hack document was what a seventy-six page dossier that had been put together. And I think it's fair to say that most campaigns, if not all campaigns, do this type of thing. I would gather that he had put one together on you as well. So when he went ahead in the debate and decided to say that you had hired a private detective and that this was a nefarious thing for you to have done, um, were you baffled? Did you see that as political opportunism? Were you angry with him that he had used hacked documents? And did you talk to him about it at all? I was very angry with him. Um, You know, I was very angry with him for lots of reasons. Angry with him for getting into a race that he knew um, he couldn't win. Uh, All the polling that he had showed that there was no path to victory ever. Um, I was angry with him because he then was definitely opportunistic and and stretched the truth uh, to say that it was actually a private detective following him around, um, you know, and, and, and all those things were very frustrating. It's part of, uh, unfortunately, in campaigning, a lot of opponents lie and stretch the truth. Did you ever think to say, uh, excuse me, but I'm sure you have a dossier on me too? Oh, I did. I did. I, I definitely oh, said did. it. I said, I said, look, there's a, there, by the way, they published my research book too. I mean, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's amazing to me that, that, um, you know, that the level of, of, uh, silliness at the end of the day. Um, unfortunately for regular voters, um, again, we're getting into the, into the nitty gritty that regular voters don't get yeah. into. It's really just a subtle way of saying, uh, you know, I know that I'm not trustworthy, that I was investigated, that my chief of staff went to jail. But look, look, she had a private detective follow me around. <laughs> you know, she's not so, you know, so I think it was a very subtle way of of getting, you know, trying to take away from my trustworthiness and my positive, and that he, obviously he was also seen in the polls that we had caught up all of those 24 points. Fine, that's fair. But what about the efficacy of him and then reporters as well? using hacked materials. Um, obviously, as someone who's been on the other side of this, I imagine that it's very frustrating for you to see them used. But do you begrudge him, honestly? If you had been in his spot, would you have done the same? Uh, same for reporters. Do you begrudge them? If you had been a reporter, wouldn't you use that material? If you don't mind, I'm going to turn it around on you with a question. If somebody, if somebody, <laughs> oh, you're turning the interview on me. Yeah, I've, I've <laughs> if somebody were to give you the playbook sure. to the Super Bowl, would you have published it just because somebody was able to steal it? And so that's in essence what everyone was doing uh, with these documents. I think it's wrong. I think it's it's not it's not just morally wrong. I think it's illegal. It's stolen information. And if we need to, uh, you know, fortify those laws to make sure that they're they're. You know, and I, and I believe, believe me, I believe in freedom of the press and, and you guys being able to get information, but stolen information, there's a big difference, right? And so I just think there is a, there's a, there's a point where we need to draw the line and it's a fine line. Cause again, I believe in freedom sure. of the press, but it is a fine line and I, go back to the Super Bowl. How would we react if, you know, some, 
some, you know, uh, uh, someone, doesn't even have to be a foreign country, in this case it was Russia, but um, hacked uh, one of the teams and stole the playbook. What would we do? Would we? I mean, I would be upset, but if my team won, maybe I wouldn't be that upset. Did you? Did you ever? Um, did you ever think about um, legal remedies after Garcia used that material? I mean, you talked about it, thinking you just said it might have been illegal. Did you instruct your lawyers to look into that? No, no, no. Politics, unfortunately, why not? Because there's so many rules that in politics we, uh, you know, are so gray. And uh, and that's what I mean by fortify the 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 laws. I think there there has to be a point. But I but I also think, unfortunately, we're surrounded by all kinds of candidates in both parties uh, who will go to quite uh, uh, length the, the great lengths uh, to win. I obviously I'm not one of those. <laughs> well, the you know the Republicans ended up using material that was hacked against Garcia, so it kind of came full circle, and it was almost like the Russians couldn't have played that election any more beautifully. And I'm wondering, you know, did you ever reach out to Garcia after it was all over and just sort of discuss, you know, the race and discuss what had happened and you know, kind of make amends over this stuff? No, I have not, and have no desire of making amends. <laughs> to be honest. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You've become sort of a cautionary tale in a way, right? Like you never set out, you set out to win. You wanted to be in Congress. And then in the end, you're going to be this example of like what happens when someone gets hacked and their secrets are unspooled for the public. Mm -hmm. But if we learn from it, if we learn from it, and if we can actually get um, ourselves to be, uh, to not have uh, countries interfere other countries <laughs> enemy countries <laughs> interfere in our elections then i think we it'll be a worthwhile a thing that happened to me if if something good can come out of it which is why i'm speaking so much about it are you going to run for office again uh never say never and probably yes <laughs> <laughs> Probably, probably yes. And this time, you'll make sure that the D Triple C in your campaign are. Guess what? I am not sharing. Fully I am fortified. not sharing my documents with with servers and, and entities I cannot trust. That's a smart, the smart move. You want their help? You want the party's help and the party's support? But I don't know about uh, trusting them so much. It's it's certainly not a good idea. <laughs> 
That was former congressional candidate Annette Tadeo. Annette is now a candidate for the state senate in Florida's 40th district. Canada Confessional is produced and edited by Zach Young, who also wrote our amazing theme music. If you're enjoying this season of the show, please continue to spread the word. Next week, we're joined by Shannon O'Brien, former Massachusetts gubernatorial candidate and one of my favorite people, and the only person to ever lose an election to Mitt Romney. See you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.